radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands will for change, my tongue sing the Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hearty ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and this is Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our community that have made a difference, are making a difference, and whose legacy will continue reigning and shining for many, many a generation to come. Wherever you are, I hope that you're well, I hope that you're safe, and this evening we continue right here on Born to Serve um, in our four week uh, series looking at the life and legacy of the famous Imam Abdullah Harun. This year marks 50 years since his martyrdom and in May this year the Imam Harun 50th year commemoration committee initiated a 123 day campaign to signify the period of martyrdom during which Imam Harun was imprisoned. Well, this evening we focus on the political consciousness instilled and political affiliations as well as political expressions of the late Imam Abdullah Harun. And join other, uh, oh, joining me in studio this evening is uh, none other than uh, Mr. Farid Sayyid. Needs no introduction and somebody who shared a uh, very intimate space in terms of his family structures and uh, uh, in terms of uh, his connections as a youngster uh, with the late Imam Abdullah Harun. Mr. Farid Sayyid, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hope you're doing well this evening. <coughs> Gee, alhamdulillah. One of the things that always sparks a bit of joy and a bit of um, a bit of ease at heart into where we find ourselves in South Africa today is focusing on uh, pioneers of good Islamic leadership in the likes of Imam Abdullah Harun, and I'm sure you have uh, a plethora of thoughts, ideas, and uh, uh, you know experiences that we have. But I think um, let us let us uh, perhaps begin by journeying through Imam Abdullah's. Um, mindset development in <laughs> terms of leading to social justice where would you say that would start from or stem from and at what point in his life bismillah rahman rahim uh, yes uh, dr sheikh jazakallah uh, for inviting me to share mm-hmm. thoughts uh, you know there's also the connection that muslim uh, yeah, imam abdul harun was the founding editor of muslim news oh. and uh, i was fortunate uh, that in the 70s 75 to be exact i joined muslim news as a junior reporter so there is that connection Mm. as well as far as Imam Harun's earliest uh, political nurturing of political ideas and thoughts Mm. goes uh, I think you know from the readings uh, particularly the biography written by his son uh, the writings of his son Dr. Professor Muhammad Harun and also uh, Dr. Hussein Ibrahim in uh, his no he doesn't directly mention it in his biography on Sheikh Ismail Hanif Edwards mm-hmm. but I think I would like to see that as one of the earlier starting points right. there may have been others uh, of course uh, Imam went for Hajj came mm-hmm. back he engaged with various other ulama but uh, Sheikh Ismail Hanif Edwards was his teacher. Mm-hmm. And it was not just about, you know, going there and learning Quran and, and, and Hadith and the Islamic sciences. Mm-hmm. What uh, Sheikh Ismail Hanif did was actually lit that spark of social consciousness, this consciousness for social justice. So I would say that would have been the, the early uh, spark and, and where Imam Harun... Uh, 
in him, it was instilled in him mm-hmm. that there should be, as a Muslim, mm-hmm. we should be striving for social justice. Absolutely. In, in later years, uh, Muhammad, he, Imam Harun was exposed to the ideas of other political formations and organizations. There were right. trade unions, etc. And two of the organizations uh, that I think entered Imam Harun's early political consciousness mm-hmm. was the Teachers League of South Africa mm-hmm. and the Non-European Unity Movement. Okay. Now, they... They took an anti-collaborationist stand, and one must understand the context, the political uh, atmosphere at that time. What were the particular campaigns that were taking place? Mm-hmm. So the big campaign was anti-collaboration, mm-hmm. and and that sort of appealed to Imam Harun. Uh, he he didn't join these organisations, but he was. Uh, he, these these ideas kind of uh, resonated with Imam Harun. Mm-hmm. So the earlier organizations were in fact the Teachers League of South Africa Mm -hmm. and the Non-European Unity Movement and uh, in later years of course as we go on there was the international influence as well but this is where uh, his ideas Mm -hmm. developed and uh, then when he started working uh, in the as an Mm -hmm. imam uh, we will come to that and in in terms of how he disseminated those ideas also very important is that in when we move to the early 60s and mm-hmm. when we look at the Sharpeville massacre, for example, yes. that was a period of great repression, mm-hmm. but it also had the impact of raising a level of consciousness, mm-hmm. maybe out of anger, out of frustration among people. And Imam Harun had uh, an opportunity mm-hmm. as a sales rep he was a sales rep for a sweet company he could go into the townships and he was sort of a conduit right. for uh, relief uh, whether they be food parcels or maybe money to the families of the detainees mm-hmm. and also to those who were outside who had now gone undergone military training. Mm. So Imam Harun then had an engagement with activists in what we would refer to as the townships, particularly Langa mm-hmm. and Nyanga and Kuguletu. Right. Interesting. So giving the platform of uh, the, the conduit, I mean, I, could, I would imagine so special. You know, indirectly, it's not just a primary occupation. You know, you've got, you've got further enacting of the social justice visionary um, going in through these townships and actually getting first-hand experience. Absolutely. I mean, that, that would have been um, uh, a wonderful, wonderful or marvelous. Would you think that um, given, given the stance amongst the, the community in Western Cape in general, people of color you know, against uh, uh, apartheid, uh, would there have been resilience in terms of the manner in which he would... Uh, uh, express these political ideas and framework, particularly from people around him, people close by. I mean, given he was a visionary far ahead in his time, yeah. you don't compare to a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, the, 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 his colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, for example, there were many, or there were some among his colleagues who fully supported his ideas and his ideals. Mm-hmm. They, all of them may not have engaged as actively as Imam Harun did politically. Right. Uh, and, and I think that sort of uh, makes Imam Harun stand out. Mm-hmm. So 
in later years, I mean, uh, in, in the 60s, I, I, I was at high school, uh, 1968, I started high school, and that is just a year before the martyrdom of Imam Harun. Mm. But maybe even in, in, in higher primary, if you would want to call it that, and because of the engagement he had with the family, so we were aware who was Imam Harun. We also became aware about his political stand, because going as far back as the 60s, so we used to assist as youngsters mm. in Muslim news when it right. used to be printed. And we would see the front page and we would see the front page picture of Imam Abdullah Harun mm. on the front page addressing a rally against the Group Areas Act mm -hmm. or against the uh, 180 and 90 day uh, detention without mm. trial uh, act and various other issues which were of a political nature. Mm -hmm. There was also the... Uh, the position that the ulama mm. and the MJC uh, broadly uh, took uh, against the Group Areas Act as far as it affected mosques. Mm -hmm. And Sheikh uh, and Imam Abdullah Harun was prominent along with Sheikh Nazim, for example. Mm. But I think Imam Harun somehow just stood out and, mm. and, and when we paged as youngsters through the pages of Muslim News, we picked this up and when one goes to the archives, one finds this. So yes, certainly uh, as far as Imam Harun was concerned, there was a special uh, resilience which mm -hmm. came out of his nature you know and right. I think the, therefore the formative years the years that he spent with, with Sheikh Ismail Hanif Edwards mm -hmm. are important years the years that he spent <coughs> as a young man engaging with the Teachers League with the Non-European Unity Movement and other movements mm -hmm. those are important years because when he then became uh, a, a member, an active member mm -hmm. of the Muslim Judicial Council, he brought that political and uh, social justice consciousness along with him. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, that driving force, that factor, you know, to, to enact the, the social consciousness within Imam Abdullah Harun, you know, initially in the formative years, as you say, paved the way for lots and lots of uh, further engagement later on. Be that as it may, let's head back to the marketplace. We'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked to 91.3 FM. Radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh. With me this evening is Mr. Farid Sayyid, and we are talking about uh, uh, the political shaping, nurturing of uh, the late Imam Abdullah Harun, and uh, definitely uh, a leader, you know, someone we can look up to. Um, you know, in terms of people that nurtured him in the political space, in the in the social justice space. Sheikh Ismail Hanif Edwards was one of them. When we say Sheikh, we usually associate that, associated that with the pulpit. Yeah. When you say politics in the 1960s, you're thinking of MK, you're thinking of guerrilla warfare, you're thinking of Angola and a few other places. You know, it was that intense. How did the two merge and how did Imam share the boons of, you know, a, a proper political structure or society, as well as, uh, you know, joining forces on the pulpit okay. uh, via the likes of Sheikh Ismail Hanif. So I think what is important to bear in mind that Imam Harun had an internationalist view mm -hmm. of the struggle. Right. Uh, he, he, he did not see South Africa and the struggle against apartheid as an isolated struggle. Mm -hmm. Also remember, Muhammad, at that time, uh, the late 50s, the early 60s, was a period of heightened uh, action mm -hmm. against 
colonialism. Right. Uh, some countries uh, in Africa were emerging from colonialism or the, the fight against coloni colonialism was at its peak. Mm. So one could not, if one were a conscious person, as Imam Abdullah Harun was, mm -hmm. uh, he was aware of these international struggles that were taking place. Right. Uh, in the 1950s, 56, we had the Cuban Revolution, mm. for example. You know, we had mm -hmm. Fidel Castro, we have Sheikh Ovar. These were people, I'm sure, that Imam Harun engaged with the ideas. He was aware of these thoughts. Mm -hmm. But one particular organization that I think Imam Harun connected with right. was the uh, Al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin, right. the Muslim Brotherhood, Brotherhood. in Egypt. Mm -hmm. So Egypt had its uh, anti-colonial struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the overthrow of the uh, monarchy of mm -hmm. King Farouk. And then we had uh, Kamal Abdel Nasser coming mm. into power. But with that... Along came a narrow nationalism as well. You're right. So while the struggle against colonialism was successful, there was the the Arab nationalism that had mm. started entrenching itself. And then we had, so when we talk of individuals, we uh, that that impacted on Imam Harun internationally. The names of Hassan al Banna, mm -hmm. uh, Sayyid Qutb. Qutb, yes. They come up, mm. and their ideas how they related to injustice uh, in their uh, region, mm -hmm. because it wasn't just Egypt, but more specifically Egypt, how they engaged and how they opposed a narrow nationalism. Mm -hmm. So those were ideas that Imam Abdullah Harun certainly picked up. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, when you asked earlier about how did that synergy, mm -hmm. the synergy between the political on the one side and the religious. Mm -hmm. Imam Harun was, and, and as, as young people, when we were at high school, and even I'm talking of the post, uh, the, the killing of mm -hmm. Imam Abdul Harun, post-1969, to us, here was one person who did not recognize that dichotomy, oh. the dichotomy between the political and the religious. Right. Yeah. Yes, with due respect to all our ulama and our leaders, and, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I was born in the north of the country, mm -hmm. you know, so the Maulanas, we went to the Madresa, etc. Uh, but, you know, it was almost, look, fine, that was the one compartment, that was the religious, you know, and the political were uh, people who eventually ended up as communists or mm, atheists, atheists, you know, and, wow. and you know, I, I think maybe young people here yeah, may not realize it, and, and that was one of the important roles uh, when we talk about how Imam Harun disseminated his political ideas within the Muslim community, mm -hmm. I think that was an important role where Imam Harun played as well. And we'll come to that. Sure. But just to come back to the question mm -hmm. of where Imam Harun was very comfortable because he drew from the source, the mm -hmm. Quran and the Sunnah, and people who articulated that position of Islam and politics, there mm -hmm. is no separation, were particularly the Al-Ikhwan, Ikhwan al-Muslimin, and their thinkers such as Hassan al-Banna and mm. Sayyid Qutb. So that is where this, uh, the, 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 the welding together mm -hmm. of politics and uh, Islam or religion came in Imam Harun's mind. And, and being a conscious person, he yes. was able to implement those ideas. And as we go on, we'll hear about the role he played as an imam, as a young mm -hmm. imam, 31 years old. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, 31, if, particularly at that time, you, you took the most senior and old, old person. 
as a 31-year-old, Imam Harun was appointed Imam at Al Jamia Masjid in Stechmanur Claymont. So here is a young person, so mm -hmm. he's dynamic, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, and he has the vigor of youth as well, you mm -hmm. know, very much uh, youth. So that itself, you know, he, 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 the, there was the khutbah, the weekly khutbah platform. It became a very progressive platform, progressive mm. in the terms of uh, not postmodernist ideas, right. progressive in the sense that this is what Islam says in the face of injustice and oppression. Wow. I think, you know, it's, uh, if I had to just reflect back years down the line, you know, one can only aspire to a combination of topics related to the pulpit, <laughs> especially at the Juma platforms and uh, um, you know, people would argue modernist ideologies and themes, but there's one common denominator. If there's something related to social justice, regardless of creed, religion, sect within religion, I mean, there's nothing that would hold you back or put you on the back foot, um, xenophobia as we speak, and among various other things. But be that as it may, you know, I think um, um, using this platform at the age of 31, you know, to try and vigor. And one of the things, you know, just uh, perusing his biography, that he was engaged with, with people that were like-minded or people that were as young as he was. Perhaps even younger, you know, in terms of giving them an opportunity to taste what it feels like leadership on the pulpit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when one looks at what, how did, you know, one, the question would then arise, Imam Harun had uh, all these ideas, you know, uh, I imagine, mm -hmm. and, and, and having known Imam Harun or seen Imam Harun as a child, he was always, he was, you know, uh, always had a smile, mm -hmm. giving us sweets, uh, giving us a tiki, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, digging into his pocket and that. So he was a person who was always bubbling, bubbling mm. with ideas, with energy, etc. But from the readings, from the research that has been done, from interviews of, uh, of his students, mm -hmm. the Cape Muslim Youth Association was a very important organization. Right. But before I go into that, that was formed I, 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 in 1958. Okay. But before that, when Imam Harun was appointed the Imam, mm -hmm. what he did was he encouraged discussion groups at the masjid. Right. So he, students, and, and I had the, the honor of, of uh, sitting with uh, Imam uh, Ismail Davids, Buddha's mm. Imam, or his, uh, Buddha, uh, Imam Sepp, as he was popular now. And he would tell me, you know, that as youngsters, they would tell, Imam would give them a topic. Right. You know, he says, uh, do some research. We will come back, whether it's on the Sunday madrasa or in the week. Uh, and these were the very young ones. You'd mm. encourage discussion groups. And mm. those would be across various age groups. He also instituted or established, rather, adult classes for males and females. Right. So it was the basics, the fiqh, the etc. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, through those adult classes, he would say if an issue came up, for example, the group areas act mm -hmm. was announced he would take those classes adult classes his students would then engage uh, with with each other and say look how do we respond to this challenge mm. so then we come to in the later years uh, before that he also uh, like most mosques do raise funds for the poor Mm. But what some of his students have said, and Imam Yusuf Abdul Latif is one of them, and Imam Sepp, they would say that what Imam did, he didn't just say, uh, you know, zakah is compulsory, it's good to give sadaqah. He did that. 
Wow. And he emphasized that, right? Mm-hmm. But he also said, you know, where is this going? Mm. It's going to the poor. It's going to the t- downtrodden. So he makes them conscious. He says, why are there poor people? You know, mm. why are there downtrodden people? Sure. There's injustice in this country. There are the haves and the have-nots. So he used, you know, the, the and, 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 and quite correctly so, he, he used the uh, consciousness, the mm-hmm. Islamic consciousness about uh, the, the importance of giving sadaqah and the fard of uh, zakah. Mm-hmm. But he also tied it in with the situation on the ground. Right. Then in later years, with the Claremont Muslim Youth Association, mm-hmm. uh, he did, you know, uh, there we had young people. And as you say, there were people who were maybe... But older than him, mm-hmm. you know, because he was, uh, you know, in his thirties. Mm. Uh, there were uh, teachers, etc., from the teachers league, for example, who came through. So what Imam did was with the Clermont Muslim Youth mm-hmm. Association, he invited people like Alex Laguma, for example, mm-hmm. Albi Sachs, uh, Ray Alexander from the t- trade unions. Mm-hmm. He also invited. Zach De Beer of the Progressive Party. Now, mm-hmm. the Progressive Party was part of mainstream or establishment polit- po- politics in this right. country. So, you know, the, we uh, people like Imam Harun would have seen them as collaborationists. Mm-hmm. But he invited them. They were not the Nats, but he invited them and he said, look, you are saying you're fighting apartheid from within the system. Right. How are you doing it? Not that he was buying into the ideas, but what this illustrates is the vision that Imam Harun had, he says, let us listen to those who claim they are fighting apartheid. Mm. So if they want to sort of, uh, you know, uh, take or, or, or uh, they, they want to sort of suppress the struggle through mm-hmm. a very liberal kind of thinking, mm-hmm. we know how to counteract it. Oh. And this is what the Progressive Party was doing. Right. Then we had the Black Sash, mm-hmm. group of women. Mm-hmm who did f- great work in terms of offering advice, doing uh, you know, people when they were locked up for past laws, etc. Imam Harun invited them to his home, to his study groups, and says, share your thoughts, share your ideas. So through all these engagements, Muhammad, what happened was, one was, of course, the students around him became conscious, they mm-hmm. became politically savvy, but it also uh, made people aware of mm-hmm. the true impact of apartheid sure. because they, 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 they could have been a tendency that says, you know we can make salah we can mm. go for hajj uh, we can do our rituals uh, we are you know as, you know we are safe in our homes etc so what's happening outside of our own uh, immediate community you know really it's something for someone else to do mm. imam harun broke that type of mentality wow. said, what concerns what affects people in the townships mm-hmm. and on the ground affects us because we are muslim and i think that was the important thing absolutely well let's head back to the marketplace we'll resume in a jiffy keep it locked to 91.3 fm Station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Welcome back, respected listeners. My name is Muhammad Sheikh. With me is Mr. Farid uh, Sayed. And uh, this evening, yes, we are chatting about, uh, you know, intriguing, intriguing memories of the late Imam Abdullah Harun. Uh, we just talked about the synergy shared between the political and religious spaces as well as um, uh, you know how he engaged with youth 
at 31 being the imam of the community ascending a very senior role despite his despite his age um, you know um, the, you know the Clement uh, Muslim Youth Association that would be a pivot uh, to ignite further other youth movements I mean perhaps you were also privy to that particular association back then yeah, well, not directly. Of course, I was still a, 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 a youngster. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of our political sort of uh, development, uh, if it's an early development, it starts at high school. So I was in high school, 1968, mm-hmm. but fully aware of uh, Imam Harun and, and his position on, on, on the, uh, as far as uh, apartheid was concerned. But just one, you know, other point as mm-hmm. far as the Claremont Muslim Youth Association is concerned. Uh, there were many Muslim, young Muslim, uh, who, who were politically conscious. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and you know, there was this tendency to say, look, because uh, the pulpits are not offering anything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is- Islam is confined to the mosque and the madrasa, they, 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 they then seek political ideas from mm-hmm. other organizations, but they also then say, look, you know, uh, Islam has got nothing to offer us. Mm-hmm. What Imam Harun did through the Claremont Muslim Youth Association was that he said, Islam is the solution. Right. You know? mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't parochial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't say, look, the PAC and the ANC and the unity movement don't have solutions to apartheid. Mm-hmm. But he said, if you want a complete solution, so, you know, one must, and, and perhaps in other programs, uh, others will reflect on the deep spirituality of Imam Harun. Mm-hmm. He was a deeply spiritual person, you know, mm-hmm. fasting regularly on the Monday, on the Thursday. Uh, he, the, the, his, uh, you know, his constant recital of the Quran, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and Muhammad Harun recalls this in, in, in one of his writings, and in fact, one of the talks he gave, he said he would sit with his father and they would do their rounds, go to the different shops, you know, as a rep, and sometimes he would tag along. And instead of, uh, you know, putting on uh, a cassette or whatever, Imam Harun would recite the Quran. He was Hafiz al Quran. And, and so the Quran was his constant companion. Mm. And, but when he addressed, claim on Muslim Youth Association when he uh, engaged with the discussion groups, the young Muslim mind could see here was a person of the Quran, a mm-hmm. person of the deen, very conscious politically. So you, you find this is a very key and critical role mm-hmm. that Imam Harun played. The, the other important point, Muhammad, is also that uh, what, it, what Imam Harun did was that the the broader community, mm-hmm. uh, those who were engaged in the political struggles, then recognized mm-hmm. that Muslims had a contribution to make right. to the struggle. Because here was Imam Harun who spoke as Imam Harun. Mm. You know, he didn't have a different persona when he took on the political uh, challenges and the political struggles. Mm-hmm. In terms of what Imam Harun gave rise to, what, what he gave rise to was... Mm-hmm. The in later years, mm-hmm. when we look at the 70s post Imam Harun, but immediately at that time, mm-hmm. we look at the call of Islam, for example. Right. There was a movement. It was not really an organization as such. Mm-hmm. So what they did, the call of Islam took up certain issues and said, you know, we are going to issue a statement on right. whether it's a group areas act or something. But one of the key organizations was the 
Muslim youth movement. Now, when we say Muslim youth movement of the 50s and the 60s, mm. we're talking of the Muslim youth movement that was established in the Cape. Oh. People like Ismail Abrams, Mr. Jadar, numerous people. Some of them are still around, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, Mr. Gul, the late Mr. Gul. They were all part of that early Muslim youth movement, mm. which had its, uh, the late Imam, uh, or rather Imam Ahmed Qasim's late father. They were all part of this early Muslim youth movement, Tair Levi, etc., that was, it had its base in District 6. Mm-hmm. It was very strong in District 6. That organization, again, very strongly influenced by the thoughts and ideas of Imam Harun, almost a offshoot of the Claremont Muslim Youth uh, Association, but in a bigger fashion, in mm-hmm. the sense that Claremont Muslim Youth, it was almost confined to the area but the ideas mm-hmm. went beyond the area and gave rise to organizations like the Muslim Youth Interesting Movement. so I mean indirectly sharing his legacy within uh, the MYM and you know transcending across the different decades as, as it uh, progressed yeah. You know if you look at the later years Muhammad, for mm-hmm. example uh, so so you know, there's always this, uh, and, and it's, it's important because it's, it's, it's there in the records. Uh, important to point this out that at the time of the detention of Imam Abdullah Harun, even at the time of his killing, uh, there was that silence. You know, uh, in the sense there was an apathy as well, except for his students, etc. But in the later years, and not very, you know, I, I reflect sometimes, you know, I said I joined Muslim News in 1975, mm-hmm. which was six years after the killing of Imam Abdullah mm-hmm. Harun. When I look back now today and I say 50 years, you know, mm. and I think it's a long time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and could I personally, on a personal level, and particularly my contemporaries, could we connect with the ideas of Imam Abdullah Harun? So I then look at the time when I started working, 1975, working as a junior reporter at Muslim uh, News. Yes. Uh, you know, in fact, the tasbih, Mm. of Imam Abdullah Harun was still in the office of Muslim News wow. when I joined. And I still remember, uh, it's sad to say, you know, uh, I, I don't know where, where, where it has gone off to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those, it was as immediate right. as that, you know. Wow. And it also sometimes, especially when you work, uh, you know, in media, you're working late at night and you look at the tasbih and you say, you know, would uh, and it's, Say it's time for salah, Isha, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can picture Imam Harun rolling out his salah mat, you know, sitting with the tasbih and then getting back onto work, you know. And, wow. and those who worked with him, you know, the late Mr. Kays, Kulzar Khan, uh, and my late uncle, Sayyid Zubair, uh, they would tell us, you know, that Imam used to engage, uh, he would take his break, he would engage in thicker, get back to work, and he would share his ideas at the Office of Muslim News, uh, news rather. Mm-hmm. So those were the early years, and so it was very fresh. Imam Harun was very fresh in our mm. consciousness. Yeah. So when we look at the 70s mm-hmm. and the Muslim Students Association particularly, mm-hmm. and we have the leader of Al-Jama, uh, Hanif Hendricks, mm-hmm. he was one of the early members, uh, Professor Ibrahim Arnold, who's, mm. you know, they were the early members of that, and it was called the Cape Muslim Students Association, right. CMSA, and then it became national. Mm-hmm. So they were people who were, and they're older than me, so when, if I was... 15, they mm-hmm. were in the early or late teens already. Mm-hmm. So they, the ideas of Imam Harun resonated. So those ideas were brought into the Muslim 
uh, rather the Muslim Students Association. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, we had, in the 80s, early 80s, the formation of Qibla mm -hmm. with Imam Ahmed Qasim, for example. Again, people who were directly connected to the ideas, the thoughts, and the activism of Imam Abdullah Harun. They remember Imam Abdullah Harun. Mm -hmm. They themselves were engaged in political uh, struggles at that time. So, while people are saying, yes, you know, there was the silence, etc., we must, you know, and this is again Imam Harun, his mm -hmm. personality, his vision is that. Maybe 10 years after his killing, there was the spark in the Muslim community because mm -hmm. we had the 1976 uprisings. Mm -hmm. Muslims stood back and, you know, uh, uh, not stood back in, 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 in terms of saying, look, we are not part of the struggle, but they looked back they, and they said, they looked at the situation, said, how do we Muslims mm -hmm. really engage and be part of the struggle? And Imam Harun was the personality. Wow. around which people rallied, around which Muslims rallied. So 1976, as a journalist, I remember interviewing Muslim activists mm -hmm. and they would reference Imam Abdullah Harun. Wow. So it wasn't as if Imam Harun had disappeared of now 50 years later. You know, yes, this is a milestone. We are now saying, look, it's time to revive Imam Harun's ideas. Mm -hmm. I believe, I believe the student activism that we saw, and then eventually it went nationally with the Muslim youth movement in later years, but particularly the MSA. Mm -hmm. The MSA in the 70s and the 80s uh, was a very revolutionary and radical movement, mm -hmm. you know, within the Muslim student body. And Imam Harun was always the reference point. So suddenly, Muhammad, you know, the vision, uh, the ideas of Imam Harun uh, went beyond, you know, that physical presence on earth. But, you know, and it still resonates. Fifty years later, we are talking about Imam Harun, not just in terms of reminiscing. Mm. And I think that's important to remember. Yes. I think what we should be doing is saying what are the lessons that we can take, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, uh, last year I was invited to deliver a, 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 a talk and... I was reflecting on, and it was at, at the Claremont Main Road Masjid, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, let us look at Imam Harun as the Imam. Mm -hmm. What did he do as an Imam that gave rise to a community, a congregation mm -hmm. that was active and that was uh, engaged? Mm -hmm. you know, so in that sense, I think, you know, while we reflect on Imam Harun, yes. we also take lessons from the life of Imam Absolutely. Harun. I think... Uh, those lessons, um, you know, a form of uh, continuous engagement and may maybe not necessarily, um, you know, I think the struggle perhaps against colonialism is one that will forever be, you know, there isn't a, a set, set course to say that this will unwind or unturn everything that has been, you know, done in, in centuries. Um, but taking away lessons from, you know, the point that you latched on earlier about Arab nationalism <laughs> and, uh, you know, people who sought to find that synergy in both spaces like the likes of Hassan al-Banna and how they complemented the spiritual, the inner deep together with, you know, their political activism and, and drawing on those lessons. I mean, maybe the application of context is not as riveting as it was back then. 
But I'm sure the precipitant and the ideas that form these thought processes and the way they engage surely do still have meaning today. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Muhammad, if we look at uh, what's happening globally, first mm-hmm. of all, you know, so, so many uh, talk about the, uh, and this is my, my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, the Arab Spring, for example. Yes. You know, so it was a huge movement, a mm-hmm. people's movement, uh, and, it, uh, and, and it did bring down uh, those dictators mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, despots. Mm-hmm. But what do we find now? You know, mm. we still find turmoil, you know. Correct. We find Syria, you know, uh, Bashar al-Assad is still, you know, uh, his tyrannical rule is still in place. Pretty but much. at the same time, those opposing him, amongst them, a, another group arises which has, does its own mm. uh, uh, atrocities, you for know, for true. example. Mm. So there is this kind of turmoil. And so you say... Uh, you know, there are those who say, look, you know, if you don't have something better to replace it with, then just continue, you know, mm-hmm. and that one is not uh, uh, saying that. Mm-hmm. So when one looks at the Imam Harun and one looks at his life, I think there is a lesson for us. Where Imam Harun, now let's, let's talk about gender-based violence. Right. Let's talk about xenophobia, for mm-hmm. example. We... Uh, you know, we said, what do we do? Some men of us get frustrated and we say, you know, the government has failed us. And mm-hmm. that's where we stop. If we reflect on Imam Abdullah Harun, who faced greater challenges because not only was he <clears throat> an activist or a campaigner who was invited as an imam, look, we need a, 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 a name, you know, mm. uh, to attack the crowds to the hall, for example. No, that wasn't Imam Harun. Imam Harun, yes, he spoke on public platforms, etc. But, you know, he would go in the deep of the night, and Muhammad Harun relates this, you know, uh, 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 speaking to his mother, to Auntie Khalima, mm-hmm. you know. And Auntie Khalima would, you know, uh, relate to Muhammad Harun how Imam would, quite late at night, say, uh, Khalima, I'm, I'll see you later. Mm. And she, she knew, you know, so she stopped asking where, why, how, what time. Mm-hmm. What, you know, so Imam would go. Sometimes he would get a call and say, look, there's a family. Uh, their breadwinner has been detained. They've been without food for the past two days. Imam, can you organize something? Mm. So, you know, again, and this may, be, this may sound very uh, mundane, mm-hmm. but Imam Harun was a sales rep. As a sales rep, he called on shops, on shopkeepers, on businessmen, small shopkeepers, mm-hmm. conglomerates, right? So he would go to your various shopkeepers. Mm-hmm. He was very well liked by them. Uh, they knew him. On Sunday, I met someone who was relating how his father, as a shopkeeper, engaged with Imam Abdullah Harun, you know. Mm-hmm. But what Imam Abdullah Harun did was that through those shopkeepers, he built up a network for emergencies. Right. So when someone said, look, you know, there's a crisis here, we need bread, we need flour, we need uh, tin food, etc. Whatever time of the night, you know, he would be able to pick up the phone. And, mm. and I'll mention a name, for example, because he's late now, Mr. Suleiman Danse, mm. would tell me, you know, uh, uh, Imam Harun would phone uh, Suleiman, there's a problem here, you know, we need this, this, that. If Mr. Danse or whoever he called could not supply everything, he in turn would phone his contacts and says, look, Imam needs assistance here mm-hmm. because he has to take some relief aid. Now, Muhammad, you know, as I say, it's sort of 
a detail. Mm -hmm. But it's something we can learn from. Here was an imam who engaged internationally. We didn't speak about that way sure. when he went overseas. Mm -hmm. He connected with the International Defense and Aid Fund. Mm -hmm. That fund was formed specifically to assist the families of those who had gone underground, mm -hmm. the families of those who had been detained. So Imam Harun was operating at a very high level mm -hmm. in terms of the political struggle in this country. Mm -hmm. He was right up there. But he also had the time, the thought, the concern. Mm -hmm. If someone picked up the phone, if it was a widow, mm -hmm. if it was a uh, elderly person or mm -hmm. the family of a detainee, he mm -hmm. had that consciousness to say, I will personally mm -hmm. see to it. Of course, he would delegate, but what he did exceptionally well from what from the readings and from what I hear people do is was networking. You know, it's the buzzword now. You, mm. know, it's, oh, you know, we go to these fancy conferences. It's important to go there because we can network. Mm -hmm. But Imam Harun had his skill in networking and he networked for the benefit of those who were deprived and oppressed. Uh, wow, amazing how he channeled those efforts. <laughs> Uh, darkness of the night, as they say, exactly. you know, the, the, the expression of what your right hand owns or earns should not be known Absolutely. by your left hand, Absolutely. and how his public personality uh, didn't diminish the goods and the boons that he expressed in his Absolutely. private capacity. Yeah. Be that as it may, let's head back to the marketplace. We'll resume with our final segment immediately after this. Keep it locked to 91.3 FM. Radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM, it is enjoying this beautiful discussion with Mr. Farid Sayed and uh, talking about the life of the late Imam Harun, Abdullah Harun, in the political space, in the social justice space, in the, uh, the, the local and uh, international space. Um, you, you made reference to the international community and, uh, you know, his first, uh, or at least some of the thoughts shaped by the likes of Hassan al-Banna um, in terms of political landscape. Uh, do you perhaps recall any of his travels, um, you know, over and above um, uh, going to Mecca, but at least in the political arena and uh, some of the things that he undertook? Yeah, from, 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 from my readings and, of course, from... Uh some the research that other scholars have done mm -hmm. is that uh, and of course from the family accounts as well Ante Khalima would be able to tell us also mm -hmm. that he went to Egypt you know so there's this photograph of Imam Harun uh, at the pyramids you know and this mm. iconic picture on the camel but that trip was a very uh, significant trip if one goes through the uh, various texts mm -hmm. because that is where he met with uh, first of all, the leaders in exile, mm -hmm. uh, PAC, ANC leaders who were in Cairo at that time. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, while you know, uh, we were talking about the narrow Arab nationalism, mm -hmm. but Gamal Abdel Nasser also gave uh, a, a base for the PAC and the ANC. In fact, the PAC was very strong in Egypt. Mm -hmm. So Imam Harun, that is one probably one of the most significant trips mm. you know, because that is where Imam Harun uh, engaged and he met the political leadership and he met the leadership of those who were leading the Algerian or who had led mm. the Algerian struggle for independence because 
You know, I remember as a youngster, my late father, for example, you know, now, now when we talk, we talk about Kashmir, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about Palestine. Not that Palestine was not an issue at that time, yes, you know, yes, but yes. sort of post-67, it became very much, mm -hmm. you know, on, in the Muslim consciousness. Mm -hmm. But one of the struggles that, uh, you know, uh, our elders always spoke to us about was Algeria. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, for example, my late father uh, not filling petrol at Total. Mm. Because Total was a French company, you know. Right. So, you know, as kids, we would go, we'd drive past the Total garage, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and we'd go to some other garage. But so, so what I, the point is that the Algerian struggle was a iconic struggle, mm -hmm. you know. And Imam Harun, and to have met up with leaders of the Algerian War of Independence, mm -hmm. those who led that War of Independence, was very significant because... In later years then, we found even Nelson Mandela mm. going to Algeria to undergo military training and numerous other leaders. So that was very significant. So North Africa, uh, very much part of, you know, and, 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 and of course, Southern Africa. But Imam Harun, again, you know, he used the cover mm. of, you know, I'm this Imam, I'm going to the Arab world. You know, he went for, to Makkah, mm -hmm. where he must have met people who were politically active, Correct. Uh, the activists, the mm -hmm. fighters. But I, unfortunately, and it's recorded by some, that it was also in Makkah where some of the information came back to the security police, the mm -hmm. special branch, uh, about who Imam had met. And of course, Imam's daughter, eldest daughter, Shamila, uh, she studied in the UK where she uh, eventually settled. Mm -hmm. So also on the pretext of visiting his daughter, that is where he actually made contact with the Defense and Aid Fund. Mm. So when one reads the uh, biography of uh, Canon Collins, mm -hmm. for example, he writes about that. He writes about Imam Harun's visit mm -hmm. to London uh, where they had met and where Imam Harun was sort of officially engaged to be a representative of the Defense and Aid Fund. So that, that is in the records. So yes, his overseas trips were very significant. Mm -hmm. They may not have been numerous, but mm -hmm. the trip and the particular one the, to Egypt and the one to the UK mm -hmm. were of great significance and had established an underground network. So when he came back, mm -hmm. he established an underground network. Of course, overseas he had also met someone who, had known, who he had known from Cape Town, Barney Desai, mm. who was then a very uh, a leading member of the PAC mm. in the UK. Mm -hmm. So he had met Barney Desai, they had exchanged ideas, and of course he must have come back mm -hmm. with uh, some message, or, or a lot of messages, <laughs> for people who were in the underground in Absolutely. this country. One of the things that you mentioned early on, his affiliations, particularly with organizations, I mean, you know, a PAC... Uh, I mean, the, the Teachers League, for instance. Uh, mm. uh, could you quickly just run down through some of the others that he was formally associated with or, you know, formed a key part of? Yeah. So, so the Teachers League and the, uh, uh, the non-European unity movement, uh -huh. they come to mind immediately. They were anti-apartheid, anti-collaborationists. Then in later years, uh, there was the Black Sash. Mm -hmm. uh, Eulalie Stott, she was the, in the leadership of the Black Sash. So she played a very important role, or the, and the Black Sash as such, mm. in connecting Imam Harun to a community, uh, what we would term as white liberals, mm -hmm. you know. But Imam Harun didn't shun them, you know. He was able to then 
impart some of his radical ideas right. to them. Mm-hmm. Then very important, and I think, you know, it was not necessarily on an organizational level, right. was the work that Imam Tarun did in the townships Lagunya, as we call mm. it, Langa, Nyanga, and Guguletu. Right. Out of those communities emerged, for example, Dawood and Tombela, mm. Shamil Kula, you know, uh, uh, Uncle um, Idris Tai, mm. uh, Muhammad Ali Noboza, mm-hmm. amongst others. There was uh, Uncle Hassan Gila, for example. Now, Uncle Hassan Gila is an interesting uh, case because he was in the early years in Pal as a mm-hmm. migrant worker. Then when uh, Maulana Abdul Alim Siddiqui mm-hmm. came to South Africa, uh, at that stage, Hassan Gila was searching. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, he was looking at the church. He, even, in fact, even had engagements with uh, Jews. You know, mm-hmm. what can Judaism offer? You know, mm-hmm. and then he was introduced to uh, yeah, Maulana Abdul Alim Siddiqui, engaged, and he embraced Islam. Came as a uh, migrant worker then from Pal to Guguletu. And it was there, through people like Shamil Kula, Uncle Shamil Kula, Ustad Shamil Kula, uh, Uncle Taud Tombela and others, that he met Imam Abdullah Harun. Mm. And at that stage, uh, Paul was, one must remember, a stronghold of the PAC and in fact the armed wing of the early armed wing of the PAC, Poco, mm. was actually virtually established Interesting. in Paul. So sure. Paul was a very strong PAC area. So here this person, Hassan Gila, comes to the townships. Mm-hmm. Imam Harun does his work in the townships, you know. Uh, and it wasn't this kind of, you know, I'm bringing booklets and I'll tell you what Islam is. He went and he says, you know, what what is life like in the townships? Mm-hmm. And they came to respect him. And even those who were not Muslims used to refer to him as Umfundisi, mm. you know, the priest. Right. Yeah. And so what Imam Harun did was when he engaged, he came across Uncle Hassan Gila. And I think, yeah, you know, the engagement of Hassan uh, Gila and Imam Harun is in fact, I think, should be the subject of deeper study. Mm. Because I believe, and from an interview that was conducted many years ago with uh, Uncle Hassan Gila, and I'm trying to trace that copy of Muslim uh, News, it was actually in the Muslim News era, mm-hmm. where Uncle Hassan Gila, you know, indicated, of course he wasn't sort of uh, promoting himself, but he kind of indicated that the PAC philosophy mm-hmm was something that he shared with Imam Abdullah Harun. Mm. So Uncle Hassan Gila was key person in also, and, and it, there, there are no records, but some people have made note that uh, Imam Harun, in fact, also met Robert Subukwe. Mm. I can't confirm that. There are no records. But again, you know, if we do more research, we need to do research on our luminaries. You know, because they've, they, they've done things, they've achieved things. Mm. You know, now when you think, Back in the 50s, you know, to meet with Robert Subukwe, for example, in the 60s, uh, it was it was a major thing because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, these were political leaders who were on the radar of mm-hmm. a very repressive apartheid regime. Correct. Uh, now we can march, mm-hmm. you know, and we've got the space to do that. At that time, let alone marching, you could not, in fact, even issue a statement. Mm. And, you know, you were... Under the, uh, you know, you, and, and, and or, or they would be watching you from that moment. So in terms of organizations, perhaps, you know, they may be this far and few between. But I think it was 
the engagement that Imam Harun had in the townships and uh, what many sometimes call the forgotten mm-hmm. people, of the Imam's forgotten people, because we don't, we haven't done enough research and studies as far as that part is concerned. We do talk about Imam Harun going into the townships, but we don't talk about the kind of relationships and what came out of those engagements in the township. Uh, Wonderful. In summary, if we had to close and um, bring to light, um, you know, a quick assessment, perhaps a very um, uh, comprehensive yet subtle assessment of the legacy of Imam Abdullah Harun in terms of the political arena, what would that be? You know, I think his his legacy uh, on 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 the one 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 stage is that it is through the struggles of people like Imam Harun and others, uh, those who offered the ultimate sacrifices or those who were incarcerated, that we enjoy the space that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. That that is one. So, if one were to look at the legacy, the, it's the legacies of all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think what. You know, in, 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 if one were to look at for from a very personal level, I think what Imam Harun does is he gives us hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often talk about the struggles, we talk about the tragic circumstances of his death. But I think what Imam Harun does is he gives us hope in a period where this country is going through one of its greatest challenges mm-hmm. post-1994. Uh, it's not just, you know, gender-based violence, it's in the headlines now, but daily, it happens, well, not on a daily basis, it happens on almost a minute to a minute, three mm-hmm. minutes, every three minutes a person, a woman is abused, for example. All of them, very few of them make the headline. Then we have xenophobia, we have co- rampant corruption, the, mm-hmm. you know, the political leadership of the country seems to be in uh, inertia. So when we turn to someone like Imam Harun with limited resources, with a, an environment that restricted organization, mm-hmm. you couldn't say, look, you know what, I'm going to start forming or encouraging street committees, mm-hmm. as we had in the 80s. You mm-hmm. know, but those who organized street committees in the 80s, they were one of, to me, I believe, the most effective uh, political structures that mm-hmm. operated. Because you know, it's house to house. You formed the street committee. So if I look back at the life of Imam Harun, and I say, under those most difficult circumstances, where there's a headline in the Muslim news of 1962, Muslims refused entry to Nyanga. Mm. And among them was Imam Harun. Wow. Of course, he used his... Uh, underground context. Underground, and besides, as a rep, he would mm. engage. But Imam Harun couldn't decide on a Sunday, or decide, look, on Sunday we are going to have a program mm. in Google Etu, you right. know, or we're going to have a, a, a Mohlud uh, right. program, you know, or, or just get together with uh, our fellow Muslims in, in the townships. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't do that. Wow. Yet he did do that. Mm. Yet he did organize it. So in summary, I would say, you know, in one word, you know, what does Imam Harun tell me now? You know, and the word that comes up is hope. Mm-hmm. Hope in a period of where many people, I, when mm-hmm. I speak to young people, there's almost a hopelessness. Absolutely. But why does Imam Harun give us hope? Mm-hmm. Is that he organized, 
he conscientized during a period of the greatest challenges that this country faced. Wonderful. Mr. Farid Said, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Shukran so much for taking the time out this evening, being here, enlightening us on um, you know, some of the interactions and perhaps uh, interactions of your interactions who had or engaged with Imam uh, Abdullah Harun. And uh, I think one can just continue researching, like you say, you know, uh, what brought these leaders to the pinnacle of driving forth hope and what made what made them such visionaries, uh, especially for youth of today. But be that as it may, shukran once again and uh, always a pleasure having you with us. Jazakallah and uh, shukran for inviting me to share these thoughts. When you share the thoughts of our leaders, mm. we, 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 it's also a learning process in itself. You start reflecting and you think deeply. So shukran jazeel and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The voice there of Mr. Farid Said, but that's where we have to leave it. Right, you born to serve this evening. Shukran to all of you for tuning in as we continue with our legacy of the late Imam Abdullah Ha. Rune. And uh, on that note from myself, Muhammad Sheikh, and all of us here at uh, Voice of the Cape, do keep well, keep safe, keep steadfast on Deen. Until I bid you farewell, fi amanillah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.